From the historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Hey everybody and welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and sitting with me here in the virtual studio, we have several members of the crew. Rick is here. How you doing, sir? Why you gotta be so rough? <laughs> Moving right along. Tom, how are you? <laughs> I failed to prepare a line. <laughs> Neek is here. How are you? It's boredom. <laughs> <laughs> and also we have Scott. How's it going, sir? Guilty as charged. <laughs> now tonight we are back to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We have Season 2, Episode 1, which was written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman, and it was directed by Chris Fisher. And we're going to talk about it this week. So, uh, Before we do, uh, I just want to I, I wanna explain the, the warp core breach at the end of the last show. Because uh, I was going to do a little, little. This is what happened, and then I thought it'd more, be more fun to just blow up the ship at the end. Um, we were recording the show on my computer last week. Towards the towards the end, my computer kept getting confused between my microphone input and the and the audio in my webcam. And then apparently, it just decided that was more than it could handle. And right as soon as Neek was about to say where y'all could find her online, my computer blue screen of death and I was terrified that we'd lost the entire show but Zoom is actually apparently used to computers crashing <laughs> um, and so but it, it was great that I mean I didn't trim it at all Neek just said if you're young this will be really exciting and that's right when my computer died uh, <laughs> I thought it would be fun to just kind of put an explosion there so that's what that was it about. It was though. exciting. It was. It was. <laughs> and I'm not young. <laughs> Everyone survived. Yep, we all got better. Or we're all transporter doubles. Well, I wasn't here, so <laughs> maybe you're all transporter doubles. <laughs> no, we're all holograms in your holosuite program of the show. I want to talk a little bit about uh, some stuff other than the episode that we watched because for one thing I wasn't here last week when you guys were talking about the upcoming season and the trailer and all that kind of stuff but I also wanted to mention did any of you guys watch this um, what's it called the the Gene Roddenberry experiment or something like that where they're they the made VR thing yeah they made this uh the short film it was pretty cool if you watch if you watched it uh, uh it shows the um the Enterprise D saucer section like after it had crashed from Star Trek Generations, oh, yeah. and they're showing the crews going down and, and getting it, you know, uh, retrieving all that that wreckage, and then they show where Picard had buried Kirk, 
basically just laid him on the ground and threw a bunch of rocks on top of him. <laughs> That's how you bury people in the desert. But then you see a hooded figure come, and when he pulls his hood back, I mean, they, they did a deep fake that's, like, very detailed. It looks, I mean, it is Leonard Nimoy's Spock. They've been teasing this this website slash VR slash whatever they're doing with it for a couple of years now. A uh, year or so ago, uh, they did a bit where they uh, they had a, an actress who had a very close resemblance to the actress that played, uh, was her name Piper in the cage? Uh, Yeoman Piper. And they were, they were doing some cage era stuff. And I think they're, they're digitizing all of the starship bridges. There's, there's been some of that's been released already. And I think it's intended to be a VR thing. Okay. Uh, and like some of it's really basic, but you can go to the, the various bridges of the various starships and you can use your mouse and, and scan around. I don't have a VR setup, so I don't know if it's set up for VR yet or not. But this is apparently, this is going to tie into the, the Roddenberry Vault. Uh, you got those DVDs that came out geez, five years ago now. Um, they're, they're really getting into releasing a lot of the archival material that's just been built up over the years. But is it, is it going to be just you just walk around the bridge or is it going to be you can do stuff or you have, have an adventure or something like that? I don't think it's going to be a video game so much as, as yeah, you can... you. Do you remember... Oh, Jesus, going back probably almost 10 years now. and eh, maybe not that long. Maybe six or seven. They tried to... They set up a, 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 a Star Trek world inside VR... The, the mission log guys did a lot with it. This was back with the original two guys on mission log. And yeah. you could go to, I tried to do it and it just, it, it was way more than my poor computer could handle. Um, but it was like a Star Trek museum and it was interactive and you could walk up to various things and click on them and, and interact with them and, and stuff. Um, I think maybe this may be like the next step of that where they're trying to create an online world, but it's not like a video game. It's not like, or it's not like The Sims or, or Second Life or stuff like that. It's just just just, just like a, an interactive, self-guided uh, set tour of yeah. everything they decide to create. They had a demo of that at uh, the the Vegas convention last year, and I got to tinker around with that for a couple minutes. It was a lot of fun. Well, this was just like a short film. I mean, it's only like two minutes long or something like that. But it mm -hmm. and it, it and it's it, all part of it though. Yeah, and it yeah. plays into. Because in, in this last season of Picard, Jordy says, you know, well, we had to get the wreckage off of Viridian 3, which we knew they had to. You know, they had to do that something with it anyway. Um, and then there's that Shatner novel, the, um, well, the trilogy that he, he quote unquote wrote <laughs> uh -huh. with uh, Judith and Garfield Reed Stevens, where they, um, in the novels, Spock does go and retrieve. Uh, actually, he go in the novels. He goes to retrieve Kirk's body, but the Borg had got there first, or the Romulans had got there first, and the Borg and the Romulans were kind of doing stuff together. And I don't know. It's just it's just interesting. So and and it it was very it was breathtaking. The, the I mean, because when he pulled that hood off, I mean, it was Leonard Nimoy. I mean, it all, yeah, it was really good all the way. Yeah. But if if you like go to the site, and I don't I don't know what it's it's I'm, I'm sure it's not hard to find. Um, you know, some of the bridges you can visit are very detailed, and some of them are not. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've been working on this for several years, and if it ever lives up to what they, they are saying they want it to be, it will be really amazing. But, you know, they've also been working on this for years and years. And, and oh, and, and what I meant to say earlier, and I didn't finish the sentence for some reason, um, the, the actress who was similar to Ensign or to Yeoman Piper, uh, they they then kind of deep faked over her to make her to do like new footage with Yeoman Piper and and it was it was pretty impressive if they hadn't set up front that this is you know this is not that actor yeah because you know she died twenty years ago <laughs> and now that you're mentioning that I think I saw some of that footage as well uh, in the demo they had like demo videos that you could watch on mm -hmm. one or two monitors and then there was another one or two monitors where you could uh you know get in front of it and you know, take take hold of the mouse and and control it and move around the rooms pick up like tricorders or um like uh, tos era pads and in, in just inspect the items and see what they're all about and then put them down move on to something yeah it it seems like a potentially dangerous thing for me because i'm the guy who after after spending money to get a um, a Galaxy class next generation era interior for my ship on Star Trek Online, so I could finally <clears throat> walk, walk around. It was not just the bridge, but you had some corridors, uh, a recreation of Ten Forward Engineering. The first time I'm playing that game and just having my my Admiral character running around in these rooms that are so familiar from growing up with TNG. I was getting emotional just from that game. So if they have like a, a fully rendered, fully detailed, fully interactive uh, uh, environment for that and other ships, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. That's, that's the plan as far as I know. Yeah. All right. Well, what about... Oh, the plan uh, is to lose his mind? To lose his mind. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to be stopped in any case. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's not a long walk. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this episode. This episode was, uh, did I mention the title? The title was The the Broken Circle, Season 2, Episode 1. What did we think overall of this episode? I will start with Neek. Neek, what would you think? Uh, I uh, didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I was uh, a bit bored, honestly. I... I, you know, I've ranted before about how I don't like the action. I, I'm... I'm into Star Trek for the cerebral stuff, and there was none of that. There were a lot of wasted opportunities. There are a lot of moments where they could have gone in a more intellectual direction, and instead they chose steroid abuse and fighting. And I will rant at the appropriate moments later. <laughs> All right, Tom, what about you? What do you think? Um... I did enjoy the episode. Yes, it was like the cerebral stuff, but um, you had a, a lot of uh, different character moments. We got to learn a lot about the various characters, um, stuff that we haven't seen in season one, and just excited to get back to Strange New Worlds. Uh, this is, I mean, really climbing the list of, of, of favorite Star Trek series. Rick, what about you? I really enjoyed it. Um, I have been fighting both with other people and with myself 
about not not uh, not venerating Stranger Worlds because they've gone back to the, the 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 TOS template, but this episode was so TOS, I and it, it just it just triggered all of my dopamine squirters at once. Um, that's probably the very wrong word for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, it it just it made my my little twelve year old brain happy. Um, I can't disagree with Neek's critique, uh, but watching it a second time, I liked it even more. Um, you know, and and that's not to say I don't love Discovery and I don't love Picard, although you know there, there are certainly issues with both that we've talked about ad nauseum. Um, but kind of going back to the original feel, which may be very uh, uh, anachronistic and not necessarily as intellectually stimulating as we might want Star Trek to be. I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I, I, you know, there, there are, there were a couple of things that may have made me go, hmm, but overall I, I, I had a great time with it. Okay. Scott, what about you? Um, <clears throat> overall, I, I enjoyed it fine. Um, for it's very similar to what everyone else has said so far. Uh, I wasn't wild about it. There were, there were times like Neek said where I wish they had gone in a different direction. But overall, it was, it was okay. It's not the best season opener I've ever seen. I felt that, um, what who is arguably most people's favorite character on this series, was gone before the opening credits hit, and we didn't see him again. He didn't even show up at the end. We don't even get a Pike scene at the end to, to show us where he's going. He's just there at the beginning and gone. I felt it, it was a conspicuous uh, absence of Pike throughout the episode. Um, but they are dropping a couple little tidbits, like Tom said, that are giving us some insight into the characters that we didn't know before. Um, it is confusing. And we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get to this point in the episode. But in the last season on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and of course, they start with scenes that weren't even in Strange New Worlds. They were scenes from Discovery. Um, explaining that the Enterprise missed the war because they were out on their mission. And now we've got a minimum of three crew members talking about what they did during the war. That's confusing. Well, we didn't see the bridge crew when they showed up for Discovery. Right. There's there's a strong possibility that some of these crew members joined either, you know, during or or after the war. And that's entirely possible. But we we don't know that yet. So... That's one of the mysteries that these little tidbits are are laying out. I'm curious where that's going to go. Um, but I agree with Neek's uh, recap on Super Anemic. Um, that was way too much slow motion. <laughs> Those fight scenes. That, that took way too long. But overall, it was fine. I haven't seen an episode of Strange New Worlds that I didn't like. But out of those 11 episodes that I've seen, the 10 last season and this one this is like a middle of the I mean it's a middling episode for me and mainly it's because of what Scott said I mean Ike was just like I, I'm going to see you guys later Scott, uh, I, Scott, Spock you got the bridge I got stuff to do and he's gone that's something that you usually do in the middle of the season that's not usually something you do in the season premiere usually the I mean the storyline for a premiere would involve everybody, you know? Um, 
and there was some other stuff that happened in the episode that just I want to say it made me scratch my head but it did more than that I was like that, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> and uh wait Sean drops the first <laughs> F-bomb <laughs> only only the first half uh <laughs> Rick sent us a message in the chat wanting to know if anybody could guess the thing that he hated about the episode. So I thought that would be a, a fun little game to play. Maybe in every episode. What pissed Rick off? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the same hint I gave Scott because he, he DM'd me right yeah, now. I, I, I have to recuse out. myself because I know the answer already. And I will tell you straight up, right off, right off the bat, it's stupidly nitpicky. Even for me, I got two. I got I got two guesses. Is it Ortega saying no pressure? No. Okay. <laughs> is it? That should be a contender. Is it Mbanga and Chapel taking the gummy berry juice? No. Although there was something about what happened with the Mbanga and Chapel that that annoys me, but I'm tired of letting it annoy me because okay. every damn science fiction show does it now. I la- when you when you said uh, last week in, in last week's episode when you said that the trailer had a lot of kissing I was like are you twelve <laughs> it's like ew there's kissing in this show it, it was, okay it wasn't that there was kissing it was who was kissing each other that was like what there's, there's a lot of kissing in this <laughs> it's the it's the character breaking that that Rick doesn't like when it comes to kissing and sometimes. Sometimes it bothers me, but that really just depends on the day. Although I find it, I find it funny that we talk about the, the another thing that bothered Rick, which all science fiction movies and TV shows do. So he's trying to not let it bother him anymore. And that Tom, sorry, plug your ears. Um, I find it interesting that we saw that happen in this episode, and it was the night after I watched the season two finale of Moon Show. <laughs> yeah, but that was. <laughs> We'll talk about that off. Yeah. <laughs> All things considered, that was pretty good. What do y'all have Do y'all have a guess of what uh, what ticked off Rick about the episode? Uh, <laughs> does it have something to do with them identifying the Crossfield class ship that wasn't no, a Crossfield? No, that, that was my that confused. Pick. That confused me at first, but then uh, I'm I'm on the uh, the Star Trek designers Facebook page and. One of the one of the people that that did this posted it. It is a Crossfield primary hull with some random nacelles tacked onto it. Okay. Hmm. Do you have a guess? Is it the the opening space dock with like four billion shuttles doing zoomy zoom zoom instead of being orderly? You're that you're was, a lot that, closer than. Uh, yeah, I was. I that was, was like, another of mine. That was but another of mine, but no. You're you're almost there. It is in that opening sequence. Okay, go for it, Rick. And there's going to be an F-bomb here, so... Okay, I have had a problem since 1975 when the TOS tech manual came out, uh, which was not canon, but I, you know, I have... My father gave me a copy of it, and I have another one. Uh, and it's wonderful. But in it, there is a Scout-class ship, which is just a primary hull with a single warp nacelle. Yes. I've never liked Paladin. it. Uh, it always bothered me, and then... Roddenberry himself, and it's in the the TNG tech manual, stated that for a warp field to develop, it has to be between at least between pairs of nacelles. So either two or four or six, but not one, not three (laughs) pairs. 
And so I've always considered to be that scout class to be a non-canon. People think it was fun to just strap in the cell onto a, you know, basically a, a constitution class primary hall. But there was one of those fucking things docked at Jupiter Station, so now it's freaking canon. <laughs> I can't hey. argue about it anymore. <laughs> We've had this discussion before, and it was established as canon when they. It used was a those very images. blurry little <laughs> shot. I didn't. I that I could. Yes, I know we talked about that before, and yes, <laughs> I know you showed it to me, but that was just sort of a. They they were just putting everything, including you know, an, you know, an R two D two and a sneaker. Maybe in shot, maybe there are two miniature little nacelles within the one nacelle. <laughs> And and the warp bubble is just within that little in the cell too. Okay, that's how that works. I still think it's an ugly damn shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you this was even by my standards incredibly nitpicky. But I was like, God damn it! Now I can't ignore that thing anymore. <laughs> I do like Neek's head cannon though. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> Wasn't there a next gen version of that uh, ship too? The saucer with the, the single missile. I've, I've seen fan stuff with that, but I've never. I don't think there was anything. Oh. Yeah, it could be. like in 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 DS Nine. If if they were going to do it, it would have been in some of those Armada scenes in DS Nine, and there wasn't one in there. Okay, so getting into the episode a little bit. So so Pike heads off to go try and help Una in her um, because she's being court-martialed for not disclosing that she's not human. And so he leaves Spock in charge of the ship and basically says, uh, you know, you're not even going to have to leave Space Dock. Don't, you know, no big deal. Famous last words. <laughs> but, uh, but Spock, uh, okay, so I know Spock fought a Gorn last season. I don't remember that making him, like, crazy emotional to where he can't deal with his emotions now. But... I haven't seen anything from season one since season one. I haven't rewatched anything, so. Not Erica. Laan was telling telling them that to attract the young, there had it was something about he had to get really angry, and then they would they would chase him, and the others would get a chance to. So he he like did some Vulcan stuff and unlocked his emotions, and then started beating up bulkheads and stuff. And he hasn't been able to meditate it away yet. Apparently not. <laughs> I, I was fine with that because Spock has always been portrayed as like just on the edge of losing it. Yeah, yeah. So he's telling him, Manga, I, I don't know if I want to be in charge of the ship. I'm too unstable right now. <laughs> and uh, but he's not given a given a choice. So somebody r remind me what what happened with Spock and uh, Supreme. Is that still a thing? Why? Why is there still this will they won't they thing with Chapel? Because they obviously have the odds for each other. Well, yeah, because he's betrothed to to Pring, but he's in love with Chapel and in denial about it. Yeah, because because she comes into the room and his heartbeat takes off, you know, mm -hmm. or his blood pressure goes up or something like that, and uh, you know, so we 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 meet uh, we meet the new. Well, she's not the engineer yet. Uh, she she's the lead inspector for the engineering team. I think that like kind of loosely, unofficially, by the end of the episode, she's she's part of the crew. They get a distress call. They find a distress call that's coming from the Klingons, right? And um, well, no, well, it's well, coming from La, La, 
Lahan, yeah. yeah, Lahan. And um, so he wants to go save her. She's in Klingon territory. And that that was the first thing that upset me about the episode is that there was not a scene of Spock, you know, mulling over what to do. We just go straight to a scene of him like, okay, guys, we're stealing Enterprise. Who's on board and who isn't? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, like, that could have been the entire episode was just like them debating whether or not to do this thing. And like, you know, what are the implications and what are the possible consequences? And like, yes, we've seen Spock, you know, act very decisively and very rashly before, but it was treated as such an afterthought and such a like, I don't know. I, I just, I didn't like how it was treated as such a throwaway nothing thing. And I also feel it undermines, I can't remember which movie, the movie where they steal the ship, because then it just makes it seem like, oh, well, this is something we do all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> well, it, it's also, I mean, chronologically speaking, it's the first time he steals a ship, but it's also the, when, when Kirk stole the ship in, in uh, Search for Spock, that was the first time Kirk stole the ship, but Spock steals the ship in in the menagerie yeah. after Pike gets gets beep beeped um, to take Pike back to Talos Four. Uh, so this is this is kind of a behavioral pattern. For him. Yeah, he goes to Admiral April and he tells him, "Hey, we got this, we got this distress signal from uh, Lahan," and he's like, "I don't care. <laughs> You're not going into Klingon space. We, you know, we just finished a war with them." <laughs> And, uh, Everything and- seemed to go really, really quick. As we just discussed, Spock uh, leapt very quickly to deciding, okay, yeah, we're just going to steal the ship. There's there's no no other alternatives to look into. This is, We're just going to do this right now. And in the same vein, April seemed very quick to say, you know, yeah, okay, anti-Federation, like, yeah, anti-Federation threat. It's critical. Need your help right now. Eh, it can wait until next month when when it's our turn to to look at the planet. Well, the thing is, they, they, they wanted to go and get Lahan, right? But they really, if you look if you look at it, I mean, they needed it later, but they didn't need the whole ship to do that. They could have just stole a shuttle yeah. <laughs> and done the same thing. Then they needed the ship later, so plot-wise, plot the ship needed to be there. But, uh, but they didn't know that they were going to get into this false flag situation with the Klingons. Well, and also shuttles at that time weren't necessarily able to make that big of a journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the new ones could make it in two and a half days. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it can. It can make it as quickly as the script calls for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the story can happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so they have this meeting in. I'm. I'm. Assuming, it looks like Pike's quarters. Like they're having a meeting in Pike's quarters, and he's not there with all the senior staff. There's a new person there that I don't know. Who is that? Who is that lady? Her name is Mitchell, which is Jenna which Mitchell. Is she was, she was always there. Has she always been there? I've never. Was I don't she in season yeah. well, yeah, Always. She was there last season. Was she with the command crew in their their dinners and so on? No, she was. She wasn't in the senior staff meetings, but the the character was there. Okay, yeah, she okay. must have got a promotion then. <laughs> yeah, because she now she's in Laon's position. Okay. Uh, at, at, at weapons and tactical. Um, but I just, I never realized her character's name was Mitchell. And that is the position Gary Mitchell will occupy on Kirk's Enterprise. Ah. There's a, a lot of fun stuff happening with names. We got that Mitchell and Mitchell. 
Later on in this episode, we're going to have Chief J. Yep. And from from the way that part was cast, I no one will ever convince me that they are not trying to make a connection between Chief J and Lieutenant J on, on TNG, played by Tracy Lee Coco. Uh, I think the name Lieutenant J is more speculative. Than... <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> she, she played a they don't use names by accident. She played several <laughs> different characters, but I, I'm not. Anyway, I could be wrong. I don't know. So uh, this uh, Chief Inspector Pelia, she knows what Spock's up to from the beginning. I mean, he's he, he's making it look like the ship is about to have a warp core breach so that the station will make them get away from the station and then, and then they can take off from there. And uh, she's able to read all of the computer wibbly wobbly things and tell that hey no this is not a a warp core breach you're faking this why are you trying to steal the ship you know and this was uh carol kane and when we we were watching this the other night my wife was like i recognize her from something i was like you recognize her from everything in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) did she play a witch in something i was like probably not a witch she's his wife she yeah yeah (laughs) and after what you just said i'm not sure i even want to be that anymore and, and she, and the she was the the ghost of Christmas present in uh, in Scrooge. She hit Bill Murray with a toaster. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, so um, so yeah, it's she did it. She did a, a good job. I mean, we'll see more of her, I'm sure. But I'm kind of afraid that this chief engineer spot is going to be the cursed spot for uh, for uh, Strange New Worlds. It's kind of like the, the defense against the dark arts position on the Enterprise. I was about to say uh, the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to refill it every year. <laughs> oh, they just need to find Chief Argyle's uh, descendant or ancestor. <laughs> okay, so they say so they steal the ship and then they go and they 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 rescue Lon from um, having a drinking duel with a bunch of Klingons. Uh, but got- hold on, but before we get to the drinking contest. We're skipping right over what's going to be, I'm certain, a favorite scene for so many viewers out there. The, I timed it, 49 seconds that Ortega's f***ing wastes making this whole engage catchphrase thing a thing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. You guys, I heard From you guys the complaining time- about it last week, and I was just like... I mean, I watched this and I was like, this this is not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's just, come on. <laughs> From, I, that's the thing. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. And they're making it a big deal. Yeah, I, it's it's 49 seconds from the time that Spot gives the order to lay in a course and set the speed. I started the stopwatch until he says, now it's 49 seconds. That's a whole ass conversation that doesn't need to happen you can make the joke they can make the joke and they can make the reference and they can try to create something funny in the trailer that's what they were going for that kind of bang 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 and you're done but the trailer was using little teeny tiny moments from this whole minute long scene that drained any chance of of comedy out of that moment they beat it to death because they turned it into a whole conversation instead of just one back and forth. It was ponderous both times I watched it. Ponderous. Uh, I. It didn't bother me that much. <laughs> it, I, it was just. It was bizarre. 
it, it's a strange choice and I don't understand why they had it in there but yeah there's there are many things that I don't know why we're there <laughs> something just occurred to me because I keep forgetting that this series is actually after the events of Discovery mm-hmm. Discovery seasons one and two uh, I wonder if this was you know somebody found out about Saru trying to figure out what his catchphrase was, and it's just like a running joke that no one wants to let go of. This one, this one, who, Mitchell, I think it was Mitchell on the on the bridge said her captain used to say "zoom," which is <laughs> way stupider than I want the yeah. ship to go. <laughs> that mean, if the captain if the captain said "zoom," that would be weird. <laughs> I would honestly take "go fast" over "zoom." I could actually see Captain Esteban on the on the uh, the the um, oh hell what was that Grissom. class the Grissom thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, let's fly is not that is not that great no, either. But. It's not that great either. I, I mean, just stick with engage. It's the right word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the the scene here with Spock and Ortega is much better than the the long drawn out deal with Saru. So, uh, well, that was a whole episode. They kept uh, coming yeah. back to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. <laughs> I want the ship to go now, or go fast now. So uh, we've now definitely talked about it for more than forty nine seconds. We have. Let's move on. We have, and it doesn't. And it didn't bother me then either. <laughs> Touche. Um, okay. Touché. Now, so, now we can move on to the drinking contest. Something line, that we've never seen. Something that we've never seen in a TV show or movie before. Drinking blood wine with a uh, with a Klingon. We have to talk about because we we did an episode a while back where we were talking about the trailer and the upcoming season, and we didn't talk about the Klingons, even though they were in that trailer. Um, because when the Klingons showed up on Discovery. A lot of people hated the way the Klingons look. Now the the Klingon look has kind of gone back to a closer to a traditional look. There's still a few uh, variants here and there that kind of harken back to the Discovery Klingons. Some of the things that they're wearing and stuff. But these these Klingons look more or less what we're used to from uh, the next generation forward and stuff like that. So, um, how'd you guys feel about the way the about the, the way the Klingons were portrayed in this episode. Yeah, I, I was I was fine with it. They're looking much like they did in in TNG, and I I don't know exactly when it happened, but at some point, I I, I got to the point where eh, Klingons they'll they'll look like whatever the makeup and costume designers designed them to look like for this series. They're they're going to look different from show to show. It doesn't have to break canon. It's just different visual interpretations of it. I think that the important thing for any alien makeup is for the actor to be recognizable or at least distinguishable from other characters. Mm. And I understand why they went in the opposite direction with Discovery because they wanted to disguise, I, I can't remember the name of the actor playing uh, Ash Tyler. They wanted to disguise that it was the same dude. So I get that choice. But it's it was a very confusing choice until the point where we understood it because it was so hard to tell who was who among the Klingons. Yeah. Because they all they we just couldn't distinguish, or at least I couldn't. And so it I think it's the right choice to bring any alien makeup to the point where you can see 
the actor's face. You can see them emoting and you can understand what they're saying. Yeah, I think I think also when they when they started the uh, Discovery, which the first few episodes of Discovery was made by a completely different team than any of this stuff is made by. But um, I think they really wanted the Klingons to look like aliens. They wanted them to not look human. They wanted them to be humanoid. But the Klingons that we're used to, I mean, they're basically humans with long hair and bumpy foreheads. Um, but now, you know, now we're going back to something that's a little closer to what we what we recognize. And they look fine. They didn't, to me, I don't know, there was... There was something fake about the makeup. I don't know if it's uh, if they're doing the thing that they did with the Andorians and Discovery, where the the whole thing is just one big mask that they're putting on, or instead of you know makeup like they did on TNG. I don't know if it's that or what, but it just something didn't look quite as um, organic as as what you're used to and, and stuff that we see later on. Um, I, I, I think what you're describing, I think I noticed that most with the Klingon captain near the end. He looked very, very smooth, very almost yeah. artificial. Yeah, yeah. But it was, I mean, it was fine. I mean, I don't know how big of a role the Klingons are going to have in this uh, going forward. So I don't know if this is the, like, we see them now and we're not going to see them again until next season or if this is, or if they're going to be like a recurring thing this season. Well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, because. You know, we did almost go back to war with them in this episode. We, we will be seeing more Klingons. And, okay, have any of you watched this week's The Ready Room? No, not yet. <laughs> okay, uh, then all I'll say is, uh, yes, we'll be seeing more Klingons. Okay. Ethan Peck was the guest. And uh, it, it, normally when it's an actor, I'll watch a little bit, and then usually I get bored because their acting choices generally don't interest me. But Peck was there. He he was very compelling, and and I think because Will has spoken to him before, Will was less gushy and just more conversational, which was <laughs> nice. I I think he's he's consciously working on on reining that in lately, which which is cool. Um, but Ethan, I've always found Ethan to be uh, you know, really compelling and interesting in in most interviews that I see. I might have mentioned it before, but uh, just in case I haven't, I would recommend to anyone uh, interested in hearing Ethan talk, uh, find the episode, it might be a two-part episode, of Anson Mount's podcast, The Well. How did I not know Anson Mount had a podcast? He Anson Mount has a podcast. I don't. I haven't checked in on it in a while, so I don't know if they have a current release schedule. But I know he had a podcast. And I can't remember the name of his co-host, but it's not. It, it's not like a Star Trek podcast. It's not even necessarily just an interview podcast. It's. It's almost a uh, wellness and mindfulness podcast. They, they they talk about what they want to talk about and it seems like their interest in making the podcast is to Im improve the lives of the people that are listening to it and he has Ethan on for like I said I think it's a two-parter and the conversations they have especially talking about some of the things that uh, uh, Ethan has been through in his life including uh, I believe a, a pretty gnarly motorcycle accident it, it's really good stuff I think everybody in Hollywood has a podcast I think it's a requirement <laughs> Uh, has 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 uh, Gates McFadden's show started up again yet? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I saw some new some new stuff pop up since uh since Picard had ended uh I can't Investigates. remember. That's what yeah, it's called. I can't remember who she I saw that some more interviews were on there, but I can't remember who they were. I know she interviewed Anson Mount. She's interviewed some of the people from some of the newer Star Trek stuff. So, um, okay, so Mbanga goes and treats the the little girl that was that was being held captive by the Gorn and everything. Uh, her parents her parents are on this planet, and she uh, they've got like some kind of radiation poisoning or something. And Mbanga and Chapel treat them, and then the Klingons come and say, "Hey, come with us. We got people that are sick down here. You know, come treat them." And they go down like underground into like a the lithium mining area, and they've got a big Federation starship down there, and uh, which shouldn't fit down there. And Mbanga says they had to have built it down here, you know. And uh, so they kind of go under. I say go undercover. They're not really undercover. They, but they go uh, on board this ship and kind of figure out that the Kling- the Klingons are going to use this to do like a false flag operation and make it look like the the Federation is attacking and and get the war started back up again. But well, did, to- did we did we talk about the reason for that? No, we just talked about what just the things I just said. Yeah, because <laughs> that that was that was the whole point of Laan reaching out to them. Is she found out that this planet, which is a dilithium mine, was making money hand over fist during the war, selling dilithium to both sides. Mm, and yeah. then once peace broke out, the people that were making money like crazy suddenly stopped making money, and so their plan is to start the war up again with this. Frankenstein together Federation ship yeah. that they're going to use to mm-hmm. to start the war up again. It's a new syndicate on the planet who has decided that peace is not good for business and their only focus is profit. But they're not yeah, for. I wonder who that's going to be. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I thought she, for sure it would be she specified friend. it was uh, uh, the a new syndicate of uh, ex Klingon and Federation. Uh, officers or soldiers she cited that it was Klingons and and humans oh, and I was okay. really waiting for some indication that it was Ferengi so Mbanga and um, Chapel decided they've got to get up there and try and send a message to the Enterprise through the transponder and the only way to get up there to get through the guards is to inject themselves with this serum that I don't think we've ever seen before there's no explanation as to what it is. It's like, Here, just shoot this up. Okay, do you always carry this? Yeah. And they shoot We've it. totally seen it before. We have I seen mean, it Cap- Well, Captain America. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Banner, so. I sent Scott a message. I called it gummy berry juice, you know, because, you know. Uh, but they, they, they shoot this into their system, and now they have superpowers, and they can take down all these Klingons barehanded. And, uh, well, I mean, taking down Klingons barehanded, has that really been portrayed as as amazingly difficult for humans yeah, in any other iteration? But I, okay, yeah, okay, so here's my, my rant. I, I mean, I absolutely hated this. It's so dumb, and it's so not Star Trek. Introducing, like, go-go juice or whatever yeah. is is a huge thing to do 
to Canon because why aren't they constantly using it? It was portrayed as having no ill side effects. Maybe next episode, oh God, I hope, will show that there are side effects because if it's a completely consequence-free drug, why aren't all red shirts hopped up in it all the time anytime they're on away missions? Maybe they wouldn't die as often if they were using this. So to, introduce, <laughs> to introduce this at this point in the game is such a huge mistake, I feel, narratively, and it also makes no sense for these two characters. The, I mean, these are medical professionals, and so I'm, I'm happy to learn more about their backstory regarding whatever they did during the war, whatever it is that's got Mega so messed up, because he's clearly very traumatized. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost as though the show refuses him to to have him not be traumatized about something, which is an interesting choice. I just, I don't like that we're turning our medical characters into soldiers. Yeah. And I, I really don't like that they had Mbenga lose his shit so severely and start, I mean, I mean, they are murdering people. That's a goddamn choice to go around murdering people and also torturing them. Mm. And you can't tell me that it's because they were on the go-go juice that they were torturing because Chapel kept her cool the whole time. She mm-hmm. was completely in control and reasonable the whole time. So this is an Mbenga thing. And so I'm assuming that that will be explored more, but just, yeah, just the choice to have them now, uh, it, the implication is that he's a drug addict. And like, that's such a huge thing to introduce at this stage in the game that I, there better be something coming up showing that there are consequences to why we never hear about this drug again. And it was, it was, I didn't like it either because I, I thought that this was completely unnecessary. It didn't, the only thing that it did to move the plot was that it got them to where they needed to be, which could have been done through just normal tactical stuff. Jazia was able to fight Klingons all the time and she didn't and she was a science officer and she didn't have to take any kind of drug to, to, to do it. She wasn't super strong or anything like that. Agreed. And we also need to stop with the hand to hand. I get it, people like it, it's fun, but it makes no sense. These are people who have disruptors, these are people who have phasers. Why are they fighting hand to hand? Yes, it's always fun to see Klingons fighting with their swords. But it is stupid. And they didn't even have any batlets or mechlets or anything. They were just getting their asses kicked. Yeah, all, all and it these, wasn't until they were in the airlock that anyone finally shot at them. All, all these Klingons fighting empty-handed, and at, at least, at least they didn't have Christine get her hands on on two swords and go fighting Florentine <laughs> style like Raffi, which I thought was was even worse. But I, I was not loving it. I I do get drawn in with indications of something in this character's past was was very difficult it was very traumatizing and and he's having a hard time keeping it together in this current situation which is reminding him very much of what happened during the war um and even i i don't like that he carries this this jump up juice but when christine asks him do you ever not carry it and it is zero hesitation no <laughs> Yeah, I always felt, I felt that that was that was very that was very telling. They are trying to, uh, you know, lay lay down some some foundation for some uh, character exploration of his past. But 
to use this this drug and then to 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 blow the visual so much when they they let go of the hyposprays and you see two hyposprays slowly falling to the ground and then they hit the ground but it's just the vials and no hyposprays with them that was just an odd bit of of production continuity where they said no we want them to shatter we can't have them shatter in, in the hypospray but it's the little things that don't make sense that get worse because it's wrapped up in a scene that's leading to something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that yeah it's just a, it's just weird to, I mean well I could see I would I mean I, I would I would rant about it then too but if it was like some deus ex machina where we're so we suddenly have this magic juice and it gets us out of some situation this whole thing could have played out without that you know they, they could have done this whole thing without that and he just pulls out this vial and says hey here's some magic juice that nobody's ever talked about on this show before but here it is and we're not even going to talk about what it is we're just going to inject it and you're going to see our pupils dilate and here we go and 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 now we're a john wick movie yeah <laughs> and we have it because i made it why did i make it because i had to make it during the war because things get really dire now i just keep some on hand all the time it doesn't kill you it doesn't shorten your lifespan and do, doesn't mess you up in any way i i don't like the implications i it would have been i think it would have been more fitting for the characters if they had done something like i don't know find a jeffrey's tube to crawl through to get where they're going i don't know where i got that idea from <laughs> i i actually i was and and you're you're right i didn't put that much thought into this because i was just enjoying the the you know, fight, <laughs> as you like to say in the in the recaps. Um, but I was also expecting, you know, Christine didn't wake up in this episode, so we don't know how she's feeling. But I was really hoping for some scene, at least something, where Mbenga was just like, you know, totally wrecked and you know pulled muscles and broken bones and stuff, so that there would be some consequence, like you said, and there wasn't. Um, and and now that you pointed out. I'm kind of embarrassed that it didn't bother me at the time. I was just kind of puzzled <laughs> by what is that? You know, they're acting like we should know what this is. Hopefully, you're right, and we'll we'll get some. Mm. I, I mean, I, given the history of Trek as it's been reincarnated, I I, I almost don't want to see this backstory because it's bound to be grim as hell. <laughs> Um, but at yeah. least I hope they do something because, yeah, they, there's got to be some explanation for that. They allow themselves a, a bit more grim these days. And as far as acting like we're supposed to know what that stuff was, I think they did a good enough job with the context clues that we could tell what it was. And, Rick, as far as you know, not being bothered by that sequence when you watch the show, that just says that uh, the, the, the director and the editors, they, they were doing their job. That, that is something I took a note of. The pacing yeah. on this episode was a lot better than it has been in the past. Yeah, they swept you up in the moment, which is exactly what they were going for. So, kudos to them for that. I don't. It was I don't, a great fight scene. I mean, yeah, I, I won't I lie, it was a fantastic it, sequence. I, I don't just, consider it a failing on Rick's part that he that he didn't look into it more deeply. He was watching the scene as as it was as it was presented. It was supposed to be fun. Turn off your brain. Action time mm -hmm. with. With, with too much slow motion. <laughs> That's just showing that they uh, were able to... They had force speed enabled. Yeah. 
I, I do want to point out something that I loved about this episode. And again, this is this is the Starship wonk in me. The the computer model they made of the D7 was fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah, that thing looked great. Um, so Mbanga and 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 uh, Chapel to escape, they have to just eject themselves out in the space with one. They just have a helmet, pretty much, and uh, and neither one is wearing it. Just shoot yes. themselves out there and hope that they get well. But up in but time. first they they do send out a transmission to the Enterprise to like, you know, blow up this rogue ship and yeah. also maybe rescue us. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Well, actually, no. The, the message was just blow up the ship. And just yeah. destroy this out. ship. Yeah. yeah. Say Enterprise, destroy this ship. And uh, and I don't even think that the Enterprise when 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 Spock said fire, he didn't know that they had even inject, ejected themselves out yet. Yeah. No, he, had, he thought he thought that he was killing them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but he didn't, and they saved them. And Spock uh, immediately was, abandons his post. Yeah, yeah. Was very <laughs> runs upset down that, to the transporter room. Yeah. So he can do CBR <laughs> on someone who should have been sent to Sigbay. What? <laughs> I mean. While completely ignoring the other person that was also just out in fucking space. Well, but he was still conscious. He still had his eyes open. So, oh, then he's <laughs> and lots of obviously. lots of ice in his beard and stuff. Yeah. They'll just um, get over that once he warms up. They'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Rick, you got anything you want to say about people you being don't out freeze in space? In space God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> sure you do. They, I see it all the time. Yeah. That's all that happens. <laughs> And your entire uh, your your entire bay full of water will immediately flash freeze, the the instant that any of it is exposed to space. There's a reason why vacuum flasks are so good at keeping things cold or hot. Vacuum <laughs> does not is a very very poor radiator of heat. But this is a whole rant I could go on that would take <laughs> half an hour, and I'm not going to do it again. Just you don't freeze immediately in space. That's not the problem. <laughs> no, you pop like a balloon. Not even that. Although they should have exhaled all their air before. They, they should have. But um, anyway. So we find out that here... D7 was gorgeous, wasn't it? <laughs> we, we find out here at the end of the episode that uh, the uh, the engineer that Carol Kang is playing... Kellyan. Um she was part of an alien race that lived among humans for what they say a couple of centuries before they finally came out and revealed who they were all spock said was all he said was until the 22nd century so who knows when they when they started coming to earth yeah we know she is thousands of years old we don't know how long she was on earth and she said that his mother is the first person that she ever told that she wasn't human so that, that she that she ever came out to that she came out to that's right a very specific very i think a very intentional choice of phrasing for that yes and and spock's phrasing was also quite precise because he said you were living among other humans so the implication is that she is in fact human but an immortal human so we're all assuming that she's somehow related to flint right from requiem for methuselah oh i didn't even think of that i mean it has to be that right because what else could it be 
I mean, my only problem with that, and I, this has been bugging me so much. I literally had a dream about it. <laughs> In my dream, I was like headcanoning. How is it? that they, at this point in the in the chronology, know about Lanthanites, mm. but they didn't know, when they met Flint, they were surprised to find an immortal human. Yeah. So if they already knew there were immortal human, or people, human or not, on Earth until the 22nd century, so that there's a disconnect there, and so my dream was all about reconciling that disconnect, and I don't quite, and like, yeah, in, in my dream it was they, they they decided to pretend that they were surprised by Flint being immortal. And that's like, I'm having to do these mental gymnastics to deal with the break in canon. But I still feel like that has to be a reference to Flint, right? Uh, Flint never, well, he never claimed to be anything else, but his explanation or his non-explanation is that he was a Roman soldier and he got struck down on the battlefield, but didn't die. That's yeah, all like, he said I mean, about. Well, that's it. The implication is that he was just born immortal, and he just was—he was, he was human, he, and he was just always immortal. But I yeah. mean, it's possible he wasn't human. But whether he was or wasn't, he was lived his whole life on Earth until he obviously eventually left. Yeah, I—I I never really considered a connection between the the Lanthanites. I, I got the impression that they were a different species. Um, yeah, I, I missed. But I could be I, wrong too. If, if Spock said other humans, I, I missed the word other completely on both of my viewings. I, I didn't yeah. catch that's it. So. I, I that, only even caught it the third time I watched it. And that, so, yeah, that, that shifts it entirely for me because I, I didn't catch that at all. I just assumed they were an entirely alien race that decided, hey, let's go hang out on this planet at some point, maybe during Roman times. In the end, there can be only one. I knew you were going there. <laughs> what if she was Flint's mother? That would be, you know, just the kind of nifty coincidence that Star Trek eats up like candy. So yeah, that that would be that'd be cool. Did y'all catch the uh, the 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 Galaxy Quest reference that uh, that Erica said? No. No. Metal to the metal. No, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. I caught it the first time, but I wasn't taking notes my first my first viewing, so I I didn't get that one down. I mean, but granted, yes. it's not an exclusive phrase to Galaxy Quest, but using it in a Star Trek episode by the helmsman or mm -hmm. the helmsperson, that's got to be a Galaxy Quest nod. Yeah. I, I I would agree. That's that's the only thing I thought of the first time I heard it. But in in that in that chase scene on my second viewing, I was like, okay, they're going to chase the ship now. They're going to get shot at a bit. And then Ortegas is going to brush an asteroid with her piloting and then get mad at the other ship for denting the paint. That's the last time they're going to dent our paint job. You just hit an asteroid. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were shooting at them, too. So. That, too. But <laughs> she hit the asteroid. Now, um, I did notice something in this episode that kind of that kind of goes back to something we were talking about last week. The, 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 the snarky comments from Ortegas. Mm-hmm seem to only be for Pike. So I think, you know, what we were talking about, because she, well, she was giving Spock some grief here and there. She was nowhere near as snarky. Granted, he wasn't giving her as many orders. She was just trying to get them the hell out of there in one piece. Mm -hmm. um, but aside from the whole, what are you going to say to make us go? She was nowhere near as, as 
combative with Spock as she is with Pike. And I, yeah, and actually, I, I really liked her in the scene where Pelia is at first suggesting they vent the antimatter or whatever. And, you know, her response is like, I could do that, but should I? I, I liked that she was, you know, she was waiting for the order from Spock. Yeah, so I, yeah. I felt that she was very much, you know, knowing her place. She deferred to the captain, which she wouldn't necessarily always do with their usual captain. Mm. So hopefully we'll get some backstory on on what, what the deal is between her yeah. and Pike. Yeah, there is going to be an Ortegas centric episode this season. I'm not sure when, but that was like one of the earliest clips that we got in the in in you know many months ago when they were early in production. As one of the first clips that they showed us in any sort of a sneak peek was from what is obviously going to be an episode about Ortegas. So yeah, we, we sh- I, 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 that's something that I hope for for Strange New Worlds that they never really got around to doing for Discovery is focusing on some of these uh, secondary characters and giving us a little more backstory of where they came from and don't wait until they're until the show that they're going to die in to tell us where they came from. You know? oh, right. Um, or the show where they're transferring off the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you take another position? Oh, let's get to know you now. Admiral April just basically gives Spock a slap on the wrist for stealing the Enterprise. Um, I did love Spock drinking with the Klingons. That was for yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he may regret that later because Spock might make a habit of stealing the Enterprise throughout his career <laughs> or helping with it anyway or stealing or stealing a med suit so that he can go out and touch the cosmos in, in the motion picture um, now, do we do we think that we're and, and I don't even know if it's going to be this season but you know there is definitely a difference emotionally between this Spock and and Nimoy Spock. Do we think mm-hmm. he's going to do something to get the to at least put some of those emotional blocks back into place? Maybe like yes. go to Vulcan and you know get. I get, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm I'm absolutely convinced that at some point, maybe this season, maybe next season, he is going to decide and realize that his feelings for Christine are an obstacle. They are preventing him from performing his duties as as well as he can and there's probably going to be some other emotional things that come in as well so he's going to take steps to uh, to uh, replace and restore the uh, emotional uh, I can't remember how Mbenga put it um, uh, suppressive cognitive techniques mm-hmm. he's going to put those back into place because while yes there are a lot of similarities between Ethan's portrayal of Spock and Nimoy's portrayal he is much more emotional much, on a much more regular basis in Strange New Worlds than Nimoy was in TOS. So they're going; they, they have to work something in that explains the the change in in demeanor from Strange New Worlds to TOS. He's he's going to put some of those blocks back up, and they might end up being too effective, which is why he seems so so distant. I don't know if distant is the right word, but you get my meaning. In TOS, he still knows when to bring the snark for McCoy, but. He keeps well, that that's it. Uh, I, I'm assuming is going to have some sort of falling out with Dupring, and so that'll, you know, be one step towards the journey. And there's going to be something else. I mean, Chapel is going to meet her eventual fiance, and there's going to be a whole thing about that. Mm-hmm. And so, 
yeah, so he's definitely going to go through some sort of yeah, emotional depression again to explain why he's so cold to uh, Chapel and uh, to us. Well, uh, I mean, we're assuming that they're going to try and they're going to try and pump the brakes on Strange New Worlds at a spot that'll make sense for TOS. I'm not sure that they're going to worry about that. I think they will. <laughs> I, I, I think something that major they will. Yeah, it, I, I get what some of the uh, producers and showrunners are saying when they're talking about how they are willing to uh, bend and break canon for the sake of the story. But I think that's more for like the individual stories they're trying to tell. They realize that this series is going to lead directly to the first season of the original series. It's on the same ship. We already have some of the same characters. They're going to have to put the pieces in place by the end of this series so it can pick up with TOS as the next the next season in this continuing story. They're going to have to put the 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 characters and their characterizations in the right spot. I don't think they're going to take such a big risk as to break the canon in a way that you can't go from the final season of Strange New Worlds directly to the first season of TOS. Well, I mean, the first season of TOS is still, what, 10 years away? Something like that. So, unless they do a big time jump at some point in this series. I think at this point, it's it's closer to seven. If if they turn this into another seven season uh, series, like uh, TNG, DS9, yeah. Voyager, I think they can, they can bring us right up to... Uh, uh, where no man has gone before. It, yeah, it I just also, don't. I don't think. Mo, I mean, I'm. It, it may be pessimistic of me to say, but mo, most TV series don't last that long anymore. Most TV series are like four or five seasons, and they're done unless they're unless it's like Law and Order or something like that. You know. Well, but, also they've they've really you know, and and again we talked about this a lot last on the last show. Um, <clears throat> they've given Christine Chapel a lot more agency in this series. And I don't see this Christine carrying a torch for Spock for no good reason. But if they were, if they did have a relationship and that he finally went, I can't cope with this and went back to being full Vulcan, that would make a whole lot more sense for her to still be carrying the torch later on. Yeah. I think that's what they're, they're setting up. Yep. So there's an insinuation at the end of this, episode that they're leading towards a, a possible war with the Gorn. Possible? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they make a, they make a, a, there's a conversation at the end that, you know, we're, we're, we're on the brink of war and, you know, the, the Gorn had attacked or something. Or and, a, and, a Gorn attack ship is on the border. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we, all, we also know from TOS that the Gorn don't necessarily agree with what the Federation thinks is the border. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of species out there that have their own ideas of what the of what the borders are. But but that was the whole that was what happened at Cestus Three yeah. is the Federation thought that was Federation space and the Gorn strongly disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna look in the uh, in the trivia section too here okay, and see it, if there's anything. Uh, one one thing I just I just want to just pull the pull the panel here. Anybody else cry when the words for Nichelle came up? Yeah. 
I did it not is. cry, but I did not cry, but it didn't. It yeah, got a little misty. It was good. Because yeah. I, I, you know, I think we forget how long ago these these shows were made. I and in in the ready room, I didn't real I didn't even realize this. They were filming season two before season one even premiered. Mm. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, re- I remember. Uh, I remember hearing that, and thinking hey, that's that's strange. They're already filming, and this hasn't even come out yet. But yeah, they were they were very uh very much behind this uh this season this series being successful so mm-hmm. well when when the ready room came out my first thought was how are you doing this show with the writer strike and then it was like you did this you recorded this a year ago <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah there's nothing in the trivia section that's any that uh is worth bringing up so i'm gonna pass on the uh the observation lounge this time around but <laughs> so so we have we have a moment that we can go back and talk about that incredibly cowardly klingon that gave up all the answers to Mbega just because he looked at him angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will not tell you tell me okay <laughs> that that was probably oh, my, my biggest key. problem with these klingons not the not the look because yeah i one, one thing that i have liked about this is it and it's something that's always bothered me about Star Trek is we always talk they always talk about the Klingon Empire, but there's only one species in it that we ever see. It's not an empire if it's one planet. Mm-hmm. So seeing different species of Klingons works great for me. But yeah, these Klingons were way too damn nice. <laughs> not fighting with weapons. Saying, I mean, I'm I not, guess I'm not going to tell you anything. Punch, punch, kick. Okay, I'll tell you whatever you want. I don't just don't hurt they, me. But they weren't soldiers, I guess, because they were the profiteering Klingons, right? They were the ones trying to restart the war, so they weren't the ones Point. actually fighting the war. They're the ones who were like, I guess, mining the dilithium and selling it. So that maybe explains why they're not the best warriors, or they're you know they're or the so best drinkers taken down. Yeah. <laughs> That that would you know that yeah. now that you mention that that would be nice to see to see some differentiation in in Klingon society. You know we have seen the occasional like a Klingon chef uh, and a, the occasional Klingon <laughs> scientist. Um, yeah, why not a bunch of you know not uh, maybe not cowardly is the right word, but not we will fight everything. Yeah. We're, we're, we're non warrior, <laughs> non warrior Klingon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go with that, and it, yeah, just you know, manual labor Klingons. Is yeah. this is this not just another one of those great examples of why we're all so glad that Neek is part of the show now? Because <laughs> 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 no one else thought of that but her. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys about um, some of the up- upcoming stuff that we are expecting to see this season. Um, Oh, we talked about this last week, Sean. You missed your opportunity. You didn't talk about this because I was waiting. <laughs> um, the episode where they're going to cross over with Strange New Worlds. Mm. You mean the Lower Decks? Ha- anybody- lower Decks. That's what, I, that's what I said. No, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> do you guys have a, like a theory? Because I have a theory that that's not... Obviously, there either has to be some time travel involved. I, I have a theory that it's not time travel, that it's characters from lower decks are in the holodeck because i think the name of the episode is those old scientists or something like that which is a reference to a lower decks episode where they talked about that made the joke that tos stands for those old scientists and um, mm. 
I'm wondering if it's like they're going into the holodeck and they're doing like the, like the series finale of Enterprise, <laughs> where they're taking so part you, in a mission. <laughs> so your your suspicion is that the crossover episode might be a lower decks episode that takes place on a holodeck and it's presented to us as live action as opposed to animation. Right. That's what I think. I I think you're incorrect. Okay. Yeah, because the thing is, like, if that were the premise then that would be a Lower Decks episode. Yeah, that would they, not be a Strange New Worlds episode. They would do that on their own show, absolutely. They, they And they would they would get the, the actors from Strange New Worlds to supply the voices for their animated counterparts on, on Lower Decks, and they would do it that way. I'm, I'm 100% anticipating this is going to be uh, something about time travel that's going to send Mariner and Boimler, and I'm also anticipating a scene at the very beginning, perhaps another at the very end, that is going to be animated. We're going to have animated lower decks. Something happens with time travel, and then when they, when they reappear on the other end of this of this time travel, they're going to reappear looking live action. <laughs> there needs to be a joke where they say we have to travel into the third dimension. <laughs> 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 there was an episode of The Simpsons where um, they traveled into the third dimension. Disturbing as hell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, is it time for rampant speculation? If you want to, go for it. I mean, it's it was not just inferred; it was flat out said that I'm genetically predisposed <laughs> to rampant speculation. Just just to be clear, uh, I said you both are. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, the unknown she or her that is going to that they want to save Una uh, to Paul. No. Um, oh, okay, sorry. On the on on the uh, on on the ready room, we saw a clip from next week. Oh, and, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Well, uh, it, I won't tell you anymore, but it's definitely it's not to Paul. <laughs> but uh, I, cool? I would have liked it if it were. I would have. I would have too. Would have been cool. I don't remember the reference. What, what what are we talking about? What did they say? To, the lawyer that Pike is going to find. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. And they're they're cagey about it, and and Pike is like, "Have you have you even talked to her yet?" She says she she's not answering any of my messages, and Pike is like, "She won't take my calls either." Who's she? Don't know. That was the mystery, and I was wondering who it was. I didn't I didn't think of DePaul, but now I'm you thinking know what? of it, and I'm already disappointed. They well they they come to come to the thing. They never said a name. It it was definitely not Jolene Blaylock. Could be DePaul. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't say anymore. I don't. I'm not going to say anything else. But... <laughs> it's probably going to be a character. It's probably going to be one of those should. things. It's probably going to be a character from either, uh, either uh, Star Trek Online or one of the books or something like that <laughs> that we've never seen on screen before. It'll be what, what was uh, this guy Sam Cogley in a TOS episode, I, the lawyer? Yeah, Sam, Samuel T. Like, Cogley. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be. His mom or sister or something. <laughs> the great, great, great grandmother of Philippa Dubois. Oh, there you go. <laughs> By the way, speak, speaking of court martial, just really quickly, just as a proud daddy, my, my daughter is visiting her grandparents in Mississippi. She has been gone for two weeks, and it's making me crazy. I want her home. <laughs> um, but the other night, she texted me with a picture that she was watching TOS at her grandparents' house and she she had 
taking a picture from she was, there was she was watching court martial and she texted me who is ben and i i was so proud that my daughter is watching tos without me and is asking me questions about it. <laughs> um have you guys seen a picture of um melissa uh, is it navia or navia that plays ortegas have you seen a picture of her navia. recently She's like dyed her hair. I don't know if she's dyed her hair white. It looks really cool. I just I don't. I, I just I saw a picture her of her on, pop uh, up and it looked her hair looks really cool. I followed her on Instagram for a while, but she's she's. I mean, her Instagram is is fine. It's just not particularly entertaining, and, and uh, it was just you know actor stuff. How dare she not be entertaining online? Well, and, and, I'm, and it's, I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I just was like, okay, you know, some some stars, their their social media accounts are. We all know which star you're in love with. We don't have to talk about it. I wasn't even gonna say it. I wasn't <laughs> gonna bring it up. You said it before. We all. Know. I wasn't gonna. I, you know, I. Jerry Ryan is tons of fun online too. Her 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 social media is. You know, okay, we um, we don't need to know about the threesomes you're fantasizing about. Okay? Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you even I, uh, hear yourself now? <laughs> <laughs> Your imagination is way more energetic than mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. we That will probably do it for us for this week. Next week, we will return. I would think so. <laughs> for... Uh, Season two, episode two of Strange New Worlds, which is titled Ad Astra per Aspera. And the IMDb description says Commander Una Chen Riley faces court martial, imprisonment, and dishonorable discharge from Starfleet. So we got that to look forward to next week. Rick, thank you for being here. Where can we find you? Oh, uh, right here. Occasionally on Captain Game Show. Otherwise, uh, sometimes in the wine aisle at Publix. Uh, but usually I'm in and out pretty quickly unless I'm getting cat food and that can take a while. Okay. <laughs> Nick, thanks for being here. Where can we find you? You can find my recaps at superanemic.com or you can go to that Star Trek podcast Facebook page where I post my recaps as well. Tom, thank you for being here as well. Thank you. And Scott, where can we find you, sir? Uh, normally hosting this very podcast when I'm not being usurped, kicked out of my captain's chair and sent to <laughs> sent, sent to the observation lounge or something. Um, but it, it's always good to have you here, Sean. Love when, uh, when 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 Picard comes out of the uh, comes out of the ready room and takes the bridge. Did the first officer ever say, well, I got kicked out of the captain's chair? <laughs> um, I, I think the analogy is closer to when Kirk takes over from Will Decker. <laughs> In which case, he most definitely did say, well, you can go. <laughs> Next thing you know, Sean's going to have me doubling as science officer. <laughs> Uh, in addition to hosting this very show and the occasional appearance on Captain Game Show, uh, you can find my graphic artwork on w on my website, www.planetrisecreative.com. Uh, hire me. Okay, I'm done. All right. 
and you can find me right here. And sometimes on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when we have time to do that show. <laughs> as soon as Tom gets off his ass and watches Moon Show, we can do a show about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, Rick, that has to be its own series. That We, we can't make that a Cosmic Potato we have that it's got to be its own thing it's going to be that moon show podcast we should do <laughs> yeah. one episode to cover season one another episode to do season two another season three and then weekly episodes to cover season four as it comes out agreed fine by me moon show moon show and, <laughs> and you're the host and rick you're the host okay and the audience and the audience is like what the hell is a moon show <laughs> They're talking about for all mankind, so look for look for that in the future for all mankind on Apple Plus. So check that out. Uh, other than that, check out um, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds because that's what we talk about on this show. And we will talk to you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast, 